All right, I invite you this evening to open your Bibles with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 3. Proverbs, chapter 3, looking at God's wisdom and how he blesses those who, who seek after his wisdom. And this is something that I think each and every one of us should do. So let's uh, look at God's word tonight in Proverbs, chapter 3. And we're going to look at the last three verses, verses 33 through 35. The Bible says this, The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he blesseth the habitation of the just. Surely he scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace unto the lowly. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the promotion of fools. And uh, this is an interesting summation of this chapter as a whole. We're not going to go back and study all of it per se, but uh, you have to remember again that the, the overall theme of this uh, here in chapter 3 is again the picture of a father uh, basically speaking to his son, giving admonitions or, or instructions, warnings even. Uh, if you do this, my son, this will happen to you. In other words, if you will do good, good will follow after you. And the kind of the word that is woven in and out here is the word shalom. And the shalom as the idea is, is being at peace, but it's more than that. It's actually to be really prosperous is the idea, or being complete. Everything is provided for you. And that's really what prosperity is, that everything is complete. It's provided for you. And so that's kind of the idea through here, uh, through this chapter. And of course, then another overall theme, and this is probably the theme verse of this chapter, is in Proverbs 3, 5, to trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. So ultimately is this, the instructions is this, son, just trust in the Lord with all your heart. And that really will set the direction for you and how you handle life uh, with your neighbors, with others, even seeing how God created the world. Everything this, that it will follow you to that. So now that we are in the last three verses of this chapter here, we, we are looking at these. And these verses here are really a continuing thought from verse 32. In verse 32, uh, actually verses 27 through 32 are really talking about uh, dealings with your neighbors, uh, having neighborly wisdom, if you will, uh, doing good to, to others, especially when you're able to, uh, to devise not evil, not scheming evil against your neighbor, especially when there's nothing to fight about. Don't, pick a, don't start stupid fights, is the idea. Uh, and then, of course, don't strive to be envious or to be with those who oppress uh, don't be, the, and the word oppressor in verse 31 is the word Hamas. Hamas is, you probably have heard that word as far as a terroristic group. Uh, they're in the Middle East, in Israel, for example. And so don't be like them. Don't follow the ways of violence is the idea. Okay? And then we see here in verse 32 that for the forward or the perverse is an abomination to the Lord. It basically stinks in the eyes of God. God fervently hates people who are perverse, who who purposely are violent and disrupt the ways of the wise. But he says, that, but his secret is with the righteous. The word secret has the idea of like secret counsel. And there, this implies friendship. This implies close companionship that God has those with the righteous. And when we, when we see words like wicked or righteous or just, and we're going to see that here in just a second, uh, what in the book of Proverbs, what this is commonly is, is this is someone's behavior. This is someone who lives wisely and lives properly and lives orderly, is the idea here. It's, it's really not about spiritual condition per se, but this is someone who simply is, as we, an old adage, someone who keeps their nose clean, right? 
It's someone who basically does what's right, and that's, that's important. Okay, so now we see this here, that these verses are a continuing thought from verse 32. Okay, so it's talking about comparisons. Uh, so in Proverbs, you have this often throughout the, throughout the book. But it says here again, for the forward is an abo- or the perverse is an abomination to the Lord, but the secret is with the righteous. You have a comparison between two different types of people. And now you have more comparison, more contrast. In verse 33, the curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he blesseth the habitation of the just. You have the wicked and the just, or the righteous there. And so here we are, we are now seeing contrast giving God's dealings concerning the foolish and the just, or the righteous. And so tonight, what we're the, kind of the overall theme of these verses here is how God deals with the righteous and the wicked. How does God deal with each of these groups? Okay, so that's what we're looking at. This verse here, these verses, I, they actually what they do is they are expanding the benefits to those who center their lives on following the Lord. Verses 3 through 11 of this chapter really helps us understand of what does it look like to follow the Lord. Uh, again, going back to verse 3, it says, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thy heart. And here's the result. If you do that, so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. And so it kind of goes through that. If you do this, this is the result of that. Okay, that's the idea. So now what we are seeing is this, these last three verses are kind of a an expansion of those benefits. If you do what's right, if you model yourselves after the ways of the Lord, you live righteously or justly, uh, obediently, this is the blessings that will come to you. And so as you look at this here, a close look at this stresses God's friendship with the wise. Okay, so if you are wise in your life, this is kind of what you should expect in your life. Okay, now remember this, that in the book of Proverbs, we are dealing not so much with absolutes or, or strict promises. These are more principles. We mentioned before, been a few weeks ago, but you have verses like this. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart for it. Some people claim that as a promise. If I teach my children the Bible, if I teach them how to do it, I take them to church and all that, they will 100% follow the Lord and do what's right in life. That's not a guarantee, though. Why? Because every one of us deals with our own sin nature. Even We deal with that. So, but the principle is true. If those parents who instruct their children in the ways of the Lord do what's right, percentage-wise, what? Those people, those kids growing up, what? They will undoubtedly follow the Lord, at least to some extent. That's the goal, right? It's kind of like shooting arrows. You have a certain direction. So here's the thing. A close look at these verses here stresses God's friendship with the wise. And this is the result. How are you wise? The wise are those who listen to their father's instructions. Oh, going back to that old thing. Remember when your dad or your grandfather maybe took you on his lap and tried to teach you this right and wrong? And as a kid or as a teenager, what do you do? You know, you try to tune that out. You just sigh, you groan and all that. But I think most of us here, if we're honest, if we receive good advice when we were younger, and if we applied it in our lives, some common sense, hopefully things have, you've, you've benefited from that advice. And that's kind of the idea that we have here. So anyways, let's look at these three verses, kind of break them down. And the first thing we see in verse 33 is how God deals with the houses of the wicked and the just. Let's look at here very carefully. Verse 33. 
The curse of the Lord, curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but, the just, but, the, but he blesses the habitation of the just. So what we have here is two things going on. We have here, of course, the wicked and the just, or the righteous, but we also have a curse and a blessing as well. A curse is given to the house of the wicked, blessings given to the habitation of the just. And so as we see here, and I mentioned this earlier, that when we hear the phrase wicked or just or righteous, a lot of these are used interchangeably. Sometimes you hear the word upright, just, righteous. It's kind of all talking about the same type of person. Someone who is doing well and behaving, walking wisely, things like that. Okay, so the wicked and just or righteous are really characterized again by their behavior. Okay, so that's kind of what we're looking at. We're looking at someone who lives their life accordingly. So I'm gonna, what I'm going to share with you next is a little bit from Kyle and Delich's commentary. They were Old Testament scholars. Uh, Franz Delich himself was a Jewish believer, uh, so he had a great interest in that. And I love what, how he broke this verse done, down here. As we look here at the curse of the Lord, by the way, I hope and pray we would not seek after God's curses in our life. All right, we have to be so careful that we live our lives and we know we live our lives in rebellion. It will bring God's curses upon us or his his judgment. All right, so as we think about this, uh, a curse here, according to to Franz Franz Delich and Kiel, says the curse here is not merely a deprivation of external goods which render a happy life. Okay, so when we talk about a curse here, it's not just a withdrawal or, you know, you don't get any candy today because of your behavior, all right? You don't get to play with your friends today because of what you did. It's not really talking about that. That's not really the curse that is mentioned here. As an opposed to this, what about the blessing? The blessing also is not merely the fullness of a, a external possessions. In other words, the blessing here is not because you were a good boy or a good girl, you can have a candy bar, you can have ice cream, all right? Or you can go to Culver's, okay, whatever your treat wants to be, right? Okay, it's not just talking about receiving uh, those type of benefits. Kyle and Delich point out this, that the central point of the curse lies in the continuous disquiet of conscience. Okay, and so in other words, the person who experiences the curse of God, this is a person who habitually is basically doing wickedness is living their life contrary. They're, they're on their own path, and they've been there for a while. All right, They're, they're sowing seeds, and they're going to reap the whirlwind type of thing. God's curses were going to be upon them. And what's the curse? It's not merely a taking away of privileges or benefits or toys, if you will. Rather, this is a, basically, it's a, it's a, they will not have a quiet spirit and a quiet conscience. They will not be able to sleep well at night. Okay. Um, I, I've heard uh, actually um, a couple years ago. Uh, I've let, maybe I think I have it on a, a video too. Maybe show it one time. But it was a, a man who used to be in the mafia. Used to be with um, I forget exactly what what uh, family it was now, but one of the big New York City mafias. And the whole idea when he was in the mob. He never could sleep well at night. He always had a gun under his pillow or some type of thing because he always had to watch his back because of what he was involved in. He could not sleep at night, and it was a part of the family, and he really had a hard time breaking out of that, too, because of that. But, of course, God later changed his life. He got saved and, and uh, just a tr- transformation now, and he now 
He's like, yeah, I kind of watch my back just, you know, for common sense sake, but that fear is not on his conscience all the time now. All right, so that's kind of what, what he's pointing at here. Okay, so that's kind of what the, the central point of the curse. The central point of the blessing, then, is the happy conscience that God is with us and that our soul can rest in the peace that is certain of the grace and goodness of God. In other words, the person that is blessed, the just person, the righteous person, person who is doing good, keeping their nose clean, so to speak, walking the straight and narrow, okay? What this is is this, that they can have the happiness of knowing that God is with them. They can rest in knowing peace because they are certain of God's grace and goodness upon their life. You can rest well. You can sleep on that and have that eternal rest. Wow. This is amazing when you think about that. I think it's, it's, it's telling how much things we allow into our lives that we never take care of. Um, things that we get involved in maybe, and we, maybe they're not bad in of themselves, but they become a distraction to the point where it makes us drift away from God. And guess what? We kind of lose that peace of knowing God and having that assurance in that grace and goodness that he has. I think that's something we should always have a check within our lives about. Now, another thing I want to point out in this verse here is also another thing. We talk about the curse and the blessing. We talk about the wicked and the just. But there's also a house and habitation here. All right, so two types of dwelling places that are here. Okay, the word house is the Hebrew word bait, which is means house. That's it. But the word habitation here is a different Hebrew word, and it's neve. Neve. Uh, there, these are basically. It's another way to say it is like dwellings. Uh, there are communities in Israel. We, uh, Mandy, we used to live just a little bit down from Nevesetic. Uh, Nevesetic means the, the community or the, the dwellings of the righteous. That's the translation of it. It was a, it was an, a little suburb in Tel Aviv. Okay? And so um, these are areas that, uh, that you live in. But the idea of habitation here, or neve, is this. It signifies the place of settlement. And it's not really a house per se, but rather, it's interesting, it's actually used about nomadic life. You know what nomads are? Think of the Bedouin. Who, who basically come around with their, they kind of are mobile shepherds, if you will. They're constantly watching their flocks and giving them a habitation, giving them, a, a, in a sense, an enclosure, uh, a pen, if you will. And that's kind of what it's talking about here. And so this is kind of referring to nomadic life, since it denotes a special, especially a pasture ground. And so this kind of reminds me of a little bit of Psalm chapter 23, how the Lord is our shepherd. He shall not want. He brings us to those safe areas. And so this is the thing. We follow, whereas the wicked thinks he is settled in his own house, the just can rest in the providence of the Lord, that the Lord will take care of us in his special assigned dwelling place, no matter where that be in the wilderness of life. We can rest assured that the shepherd is right there with us. That is how God blesses and favors those who follow him and walk wisely. All right, pretty amazing. I love that. Okay, another thing to point out here in uh, these, these verses here, that verse 25 and verse 23, this actually forms a frame. The curse of the wicked is in the house of, or excuse me, the curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked. So this in verse 25, verse 25 says this, Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. See the idea of the wicked here and what's going to happen to them? Uh, their curse that comes upon them. This, these two verses form a frame around the verses in between, which talk about how we deal with our neighbors. So in other words, this frames the importance of doing good and not harm to our neighbors. Here's the point. 
as we do this, providing safety for or protection for our neighbors brings protection from God for us. In other words, if you do what's right in your neighborhood, you do what's right and you help your neighbor as you can, as God permits and all that, you don't cause unnecessary problems, don't start stupid fights, you know, things like that. That's kind of a little bit of an idea here. But you understand that. When you do that, you provide security for your neighborhood and for your neighbors, is the idea. And when you do that, that honors God, and that brings God's favor upon you. Okay? So this is kind of the idea that we have here. All right, so that's verse 33. Wasn't that wonderful? Okay? (laughs) Now let's get to verse 34. Okay, verse 34. And this is something that I think you'll be very familiar with. Verse 34 says this, Surely he, that's God, scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace to the lowly. Does that sound a little familiar to you? Okay, let's break it down. This is God's response to the proud and to the humble. In this, he brings retribution to the scorner. It says this, Surely he scorneth the scorner. In other words, God scorns the scorner. He mocks the mocker. Okay? In other words, the mocker or the foolish, the proud, they poke fun at the lowly. They poke fun at those who are maybe trying to live for God, things like that. But ultimately, it's God who has the last laugh. That's the point. I like these verses. Psalm chapter 2, verse 4. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Again, God, as the righteous judge, has the last laugh. Okay? The scorner, I mean, they're just blowing hot air when you think about it. Okay? All right? Also, in, in Psalm 18, verse 26, it says, With the pure thou wilt show thyself pure. And with the forward, thou wilt show thyself forward. In other words, God will give them their just desserts, is the idea that we have here. In other words, God, he will scorn the scorn. He will mock the mocker. All right? So, in other words, whatever uh, the wicked may do to the just, to you, for example, if you're following the Lord and you're hearing this basically garbage from folks, understand this, that God's the righteous judge. He has the final say. No matter what they say, guess what? God has the last word. All right, that's kind of what's important here. All right, but this is the opposite of that. So here's a contrast. This is what happens. God will scorn the scorner, but what does he do? But he gives grace to the lowly or to the humble. All right? The word grace here is the Hebrew word chen. Chen has the idea of uh, favor, or um, in modern Hebrew it's used for charm. There is a, um, I actually love this little place, it's a very small um, uh, suburb of Tel Aviv called Ramat Chen, and uh, kind of it's basically the village of the, the, the of favor, the village of grace, but it literally means the village, the charming village. It's kind of the our modern equivalent of that, and so grace or Chen is here. It recalls the favor of keeping wisdom. In other words, if you keep God's wisdom, you practice God's wisdom, He's going to give you that favor. How do we find that? Look with me back in verse four. So shalt thou find favor, ken, or grace, in good understanding, in the sight of God and man. Verse 22 says, so, they, uh, so shall they be life unto thy soul, and grace, ken, favor to thy neck. All right, so it's like an ornament. All right, that's what's happening here. And so God gives grace, he gives favor, he gives a charm, if you will, unto the lowly, unto the humble. Okay, the lowly here, who are the lowly? Who is this exactly? Okay, we already know it's someone who's walking wisely, but let's talk about it a little bit more. The lowly or the humble here are those who voluntarily place themselves under the mighty hand of God as his servants. Someone who is a servant 
a servant of the Lord, voluntarily places himself under the one who's above him. That's exactly what a servant does. And so a servant, by rule, cannot really be proud. Okay? That is their role and responsibility. Here's what Jesus said about what it means for us to be servants. Okay? He says in John chapter 12, verse 26, If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father uh, honor. So God will honor those who are his servants. That's the, that's the point. That's the idea that we have here. We also know here, if you look at this verse as a, in context here, he scorneth the scorner, but, God, but he giveth grace unto the lowly. There's two other times that are mentioned in the, in the New Testament concerning this. James chapter 4, verse 6 says this, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace to the humble. Okay? So that's almost the same idea. Same idea that's here. Also in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves or place yourself under the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, but what? He giveth grace to the humble. That's the same idea that we have. So three times in the Bible, God says he resists the proud or he scorns the scorner. Proverbs is probably a little bit more direct, a little bit more on target, okay? And uh, if anything... James and, and uh, Peter kind of soften it a little bit. But the idea is still the same. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the low. He gives grace to the humble. And so that's something we can appreciate. All right, so moving on to verse 35, okay? Verse 35 says this, The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the promotion of fools. In this we see that God rewards the wise and the foolish. God rewards the wise and the foolish. Verse 35, this verse here, is, it's interesting when you look at it, this actually reverses the order of the previous contrast. So if you look carefully through the, the verses before, especially verses, uh, starting verse 32, for example, you have the forward and then the righteous. Verse 33, you have the wicked and then the just. Verse uh, 34, you have the scorner and then the lowly. You see kind of the, the comparison that's going on here? Okay. And so, as you, as you look at that, uh, what's happening here is this, that now in verse 5, the roles are reversed. Now, instead, you have the wise and then the fools. You see, it's reversed, and it's done that on purpose to really prove a point. Here's the point. The, this verse reverses the order from the previous contrast so that the wise comes first and the fools come dead last. And that's the thing. When in God's economy, in God's plan... So what's going to happen is this, as, as you see this, that the wise will inherit glory, the shames will be promotion of fools. In other words, in the end, no matter how loud and how vocal the, the, uh, the wicked may be, what will happen is this, that tables will be turned, all right? The first shall be last, the last shall be first, kind of that idea. And you will see that God will give grace in the end to the, to the just, to the wise. And so, in other words, when you get discouraged or you are getting frustrated, beat your head up against the wall, what's happening is this. God has the final say. And in the end, the good guy wins. It's kind of like watching the old westerns. I love the old westerns. How about you? Okay. I'm a big Bonanza fan, but you know what? In the end, the Cartwrights always 
come out of whatever difficulty and their hats are still on their head and they dust themselves off and they're ready to move on. All right? The bad guy, he gets hung or whatever. All right? So, but God's plan is exactly that. Okay? So as we think about that, who are the wise then? Who are the wise that will inherit glory? The wise are simply those who hear and obey God's word. The wise are simply those who hear and obey God's word. I think sometimes we're trying to look for something really mystical or really big, something with fireworks and everything going on. But those who are wise are simply those who hear and obey God's word. Simply, as we sang earlier, trust and obey, for there's no other way. You know, I would challenge our folks in Israel all the time, how do you live the Christian life? You do it by faith, but practically speaking, read your Bible, pray every day, and then obey. If you do those things on a daily basis, on a regular basis, it's amazing how God will direct your path step by step. Pretty amazing when you think about that. So what is the wise given? The wise shall inherit, or they're going to receive in the end, or inherit, glory. The word glory here is the word kavod in Hebrew. And kavod means something very heavy. It means weight, weighty. And it's really the idea of honor is the idea. Someone is giving glory, they're given honor is another word that can be used here. Okay? And so glory and honor are received as the wise give honor to God. Here's the point. As we give honor to God, God will honor us. Look with me back in verse 9. It says here, honor the Lord, same word, kavod, honor the Lord with thy substance, with the first fruits of all thine increase. The wise will strive in everything he does to honor God to glorify God. And when that happens, in the end, God will honor and glorify him. That's the thing. We get to share in that inheritance of God's glory. Pretty amazing when you think about it. So here's the thing. What about the wicked? But shame shall be the promotion of fools, it says here at the end of verse 35. Here's a good point. Whatever promotion uh, that it says here, promotion here uh, really means kind of like a, a legacy, uh, or the word promotion literally means to like um, an ex- something exalted, something that's raised up, okay? Something that makes them bigger, okay? That's what shame shall be the promotion of fools. In other words, that's what in the end, that's what they're going to be known by is by shame. So as what happens, whatever promotion that the wicked achieve is only temporary. A bunch of fluff is really what it amounts to in the end, okay? So, but the thing is this, that fools promote shame or dishonor. Uh, and that is consistent with their character. In other words, the wicked, no matter what they do, whatever shame they produce, is just going to add more to their baggage and, and everything like that. Okay? So, as we, as we see here, here, what is the goal then of following wisdom? The goal of following wisdom is really to honor God because he will honor us at the end. Okay? Uh, in Matthew chapter 25, we, re- we know this verse very well. At the end of our life, what does it, God say, really? It says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. We receive glory. We receive honor. We receive God's greatest blessings in eternity. That's something that Roger Myers is experiencing right now. At the end of his life, walking wisely, he is inheriting that glory. He's inheriting that honor, that God will honor his servants for those who follow the Lord. And so this is important as we see this. Okay? Um, here's the thing. We live for an audience of one. How are we living our lives now? Uh, I came across a story. It happened back in, actually in 2018. 
of a Division Three basketball game that was going on in Massachusetts between those schools. And uh, there was a, a team that was just having a hard time. One player in particular, he was just being outplayed by the opposing player from the other team, out-dribbled, out-passed, out-shot. I mean, he could not guard this guy. And he was, got very frustrated. The team was down by a few points, getting towards the end of the game. I think there was a couple minutes left. And so, anyways, while the ref wasn't looking, after the guy shot and made a three, he basically came and clotheslined that other player, thinking that no one would see it. Obviously, it was on camera, as most things are nowadays. And that player was then, of course, ejected from the game, and he was kicked out of even the college. And so they were that strict because it was pretty severe. And uh, fortunately, the, the opposing player was okay after all that. But nonetheless, that violence that happened, this is a man who decided to basically let his emotions get control of him. And uh, anyways, he did not live wisely. And because of that, he paid that. But the thing is, he's down, he's getting beat and everything else like that. And so he takes it upon himself to make himself bigger. And that's the idea. What happens with the fools is that they try to make themselves bigger. And in the end, it goes to their very shame. Okay? And that's the idea with that. So the important is this, that we live for an audience of one. So many times we try to live life to get the, 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 the pleasing, the applause of men, of people. Oh, look at the great things that I've done. Look at the jobs that I've been able to do. Look at the houses and everything I've been able to build and the wealth I've been able to accumulate and awards that I've won, things like that. So many people try and live after recognition from the world and from people, from their peers. I mean, it is good to you know, get a pat on the back and add a boy, you know, for sure. But the thing is this, our ultimate goal is this, to understand that we live for an audience of one, and that's none other than Jesus Christ. That's all that matters when it comes down to it. So the wise, those that simply follow the Lord's leadings by hearing and obeying God's word, they will receive and inherit that glory. Praise God for that. So as we look at this now, let's, as we talk about the close of this chapter, let us mention this, that the closing of this chapter really follows a pattern after chapters 1 and 2. The closing of chapters 1 and 2 also has the same idea with the description of the fate of the wicked, and the security of the righteous. So we mentioned that here, that the wicked, they will be blessed, okay? The, or excuse me, the, not the wicked, the, the just will be blessed, the wicked will be cursed. Look with me back in chapter 1. Chapter 1, verses 32 and 33. Look at how chapter 1 ends. For the turning away of the simple shall slay, shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. That's the end of the wicked right there. Verse 33, but whoso hearkeneth unto me under wisdom shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from the fear of evil. Look at chapter 2 at the end of it, verse uh, 21, 22. For the upright shall dwell in the land and the perfect shall remain in it. That's security. Verse 22, but the wicked shall be cut off from the earth and the transgressors shall be rooted from it. That's the fate of the wicked. Chapter 3, we see the same thing. This is a pattern that we see here in the first three chapters of the book of Proverbs. Very important as we see this. So now, let's get ready to land the plane. We've read through Proverbs chapter 3. We've studied it. What can we sum from this? The summary of chapter 3 of Proverbs is simply this. We must adhere to the Father's admonitions in order to have a true life of shalom. And shalom meaning, again, the fullness and the prosperity that peace provides, having everything our needs met. 
We can obtain this shalom or obtain this peace by trusting God as we discipline our lives according to his way, to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not under our own understanding and all our ways acknowledge him because he will direct our paths. We can obtain this peace by trusting God and disciplining our lives according to that way. In this, we are challenged to honor God, verse 9, to honor the Lord. We are also challenged to find wisdom, verse 13. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, man that getteth understanding. We are also challenged to do good to our neighbor, verses 27 through 29. Also, by following wisdom, this brings life. Verse 2 says this, For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Verse 18, She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her. Happy is everyone that retaineth her. Verse 22, So shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. So again, by following wisdom, this brings life to us. Here's the point. If God used wisdom to bring life and order into the founding of this world, which is verses 19 and 20, and that's kind of the heart of that passage of this chapter. If God uses wisdom to bring life and order to this world as he created it, then undoubtedly wisdom of God can bring life and order to anyone who will find her. And by walking with that, you will be wise. And that is the blessing of obedience. Therefore, we concluded chapter 3 of the book of Proverbs. Praise God. Okay? All right. You thought we were going to be here in another year. That's okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, as we close, are there any questions or comments? Any questions or comments on that? It's been a good study. I've enjoyed it myself. All right, very good. Well, I trust the Lord will bless you richly by his grace, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing how the Lord will, will work in our lives. So let's be faithful to him. Let's be walking wisely and seeking to honor the Lord as he will honor us.